0: Welcome to episode one of Black Women Rising, an episode all about burnout. Before we get started, if you haven't yet, I suggest you listen to the trailer. It's only about two minutes or so, so you have an understanding of what this podcast is about, and see if it's something you'd be interested in subscribing to. I just want to note that I'm going to leave the resources I used to help me create this episode in the show notes, along with the link to my blog, if you're interested, Feel free to reach out if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes. So what is burnout? According to Mayo Clinic, job burnout is a state of physical or emotional exhaustion that also involves a sense of reduced accomplishment and loss of personal identity. Although it's not a medical diagnosis, the symptoms and potential effects of burnout are very real. In May 2019, the World Health Organization classified it as an occupational phenomenon. Healthline cites the signs of burnout, all of which I certainly had, as exhaustion, isolation, escape fantasies, irritability, and frequent illnesses. Exhaustion is, just as it sounds, being completely drained physically and emotionally, being so drained and overwhelmed, people who are burnt out tend to isolate themselves from others and avoid socializing with friends, family, and co-workers, or stop socializing altogether. In isolation, you may start daydreaming more or fantasizing about what life would be like if you left your job. The seemingly insurmountable stress and increasing isolation can make you irritable, and all of the things you may have been able to tolerate before are now insufferable. Finally, the stress can lower your immune system, making you much more prone to getting sick and also open you up to mental health concerns like depression and anxiety. So here were some of my symptoms of burnout. With exhaustion, I was always fatigued, Even though I was waking up some days at 5 a.m. to go to the gym, other days I was up at 5 a.m. staring at the ceiling, thinking about my life choices. In the evenings when I got home, back in the days of commuting, I would take pre-naps on the couch by 9.30 in the evening, only to wake up around midnight or 1 a.m. and get in bed for a few hours to wake up and dwell on life and work in this seemingly never-ending cycle. Isolation. This year, it just intensified. I started spending more time alone in my room and trying to avoid my loved ones so they wouldn't see that I was breaking down in tears on a weekly basis, sometimes more than once a week. Even my manager noticed that I was slowly withdrawing, barely smiling or speaking, when she'd ask if I was okay i just say yes, because I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't even know I needed it yet. Now, with the escape fantasies, this one's pretty simple. I consistently, and sometimes still do, <laughs> think, wouldn't it be great if I just hit the lotto tomorrow? Talk about F you money. <laughs> At least twice a week, I thought about quitting, not resigning, quitting. Irritability. Everything about my job pissed me off, even the things I thoroughly enjoyed doing and the people I loved working with. It all became a chore, and I'd often wig out on the people closest to me. When people say this is the last straw, I felt that every day. Finally, with the frequent illnesses, I've gotten sick more times in the past three years than I've been in my entire life. In 2017, I had viral pink eye, not bacterial. This was a virus that caused pink eye. In 2018, I felt like pure death with a cough that lasted about two months. In 2019, I got so sick after working late before Thanksgiving that I had to go on a steroid to prevent my throat from completely closing up, restricting my airway. And finally, early this year, I contracted a virus? It's actually still not known if it's a true virus or even how it's contracted. It's called pityriasis rosea. With this, I broke out in hive-like bumps all over my body and it took the bumps well over two months to go away. But I digress. Hey, fam. This podcast was launched using Anchor. I actually heard about it on YouTube since it was recommended for podcast beginners. Here are the top features for me, the beginner. (laughs) It's free to use, meaning there are no hidden fees. They'll distribute your podcast to other platforms like Spotify Apple Podcasts, and Overcast for you. It's an all-in-one service, so you can record, edit, and post from your desktop or phone, in addition to having guests from your desktop or phone. Plus, you can earn money with absolutely no minimum listenership. That means you can get started earning money with one listener. If you were ever thinking of starting a podcast, now's the time don't believe me, check out the free Anchor app or head to anchor.fm to get started. So how does this burnout thing work? Is it like you just start feeling overwhelmed? Do you just freak out one day and have some type of existential life crisis? Nah. (laughs) Psychologist Herbert Freudenberger, who coined the term in the 1970s, identified 12 stages of burnout with his colleague, Gail North. These two noted that burnout doesn't really happen all at once, but is the culmination of many factors over time and occurs in 12 stages. They are excessive drive or ambition, pushing yourself to work harder, neglecting personal care and needs, displacement of conflict, No time for non-work-related needs, denial, withdrawal, behavioral changes, depersonalization, inner emptiness, depression, and mental or physical exhaustion or collapse. In preparation for this episode, I read quite a few articles on the subject of burnout, particularly as it affected the Black community, and more specifically, Black women, A quick Google search that included burnout affect black workers turned out tons of articles about how companies and organizations can support black employees, most written over the summer of this year, 2020. Which makes sense considering everything that's happened this past spring, early summer, and all of the outrage in response to the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. While it's way overdue that the impact of stress and burnout on black employees is considered, we're going to overlook that for the sake of getting through this episode. So, as I went through some of these articles, one in particular stood out to me from the cut. The author spoke to five black women about how their jobs were burning them out, the physical and mental effects of it, and how they were able to cope with it or not to be frank. It's crazy how these women were able to speak from their own experiences and it's as if I read an account of my own life back to me. Most of them talked about just being tired all of the time and their physical and mental health deteriorating as the weeks and months went on. In addition to this idea that they shouldn't be that tired, and rather than ask for help, most of them felt the need to work harder or push more in order to get through that burnout stage that they didn't recognize as burnout at the time. The general vibe is that we don't deserve to be tired, or we haven't earned the right to be tired. And that seems to be a burden that I myself as a black woman put on myself. and. It's just a never-ending rat race of trying to earn your leisure or earn some type of time off or earn the ability to feel comfortable and not stressed. But ultimately, as black women, we biologically age at a faster rate than white women due mainly to repeated perceived stress that contributes to the shortening of our telomeres. That's fancy science talk, and I will leave the link to that study in the show notes. But this includes stress from work, where the average person spends about 90,000 hours of their life. And this work-related stress is a larger group of stressful life experiences that black people in the U.S. are disproportionately exposed to with greater frequency and greater duration and intensity than white people. Sometimes it can feel like we bear the weight of the world on our shoulders, and I'd like to let you know you're not alone. And knowing that none of us are alone, it only made me wonder, what about black burnout? Where are all of the studies about burnout and the effects on the Black community? Where are they? I guess that's a question better left for the professionals for now. But still, just know you're not alone. And if you know of any studies on burnout in the Black community, please let me know. Hit me up with an email or just let me know via a comment on my blog. So let's get into how I knew and why I was getting burnt out. Even though I adore the company and the teams that I work with, I started to feel so wrapped up in my career and being successful that I felt like I didn't know who I was. I was always tired from work, the actual work, and my commute, that I didn't have energy or the drive to do the things that I enjoyed and was genuinely interested in. Over time, I was barely getting dressed the way I normally did. I hardly even ironed or steamed out wrinkles. Mind you, I'm a girly girl to the extreme, so I relish in putting on makeup and choosing an outfit for the day and making sure it's pressed, so that was really hard to see. Every full-time job I worked after college, I was consistently putting in hours beyond a typical nine-to-five. Most days looked more like eight-to-eight, eight, and obviously later in busy seasons. If you work in the finance industry, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's not that there wasn't time to do other things. I'm hyper-aware that people are able to do many things in a day with the same amount of free hours, if not less. The issue is I was putting so much energy into my career and my jobs that I was stifled by the time I got home. I love to work out and be active, particularly first thing in the morning. I went to the gym at least twice a week pre-pandemic at 5 a.m., and it gave my morning a sense of peace that helped keep me sane during the day in the evenings if I'd make it home in time and wasn't too exhausted, I'd hit my dojo and train with my mixed martial arts fam. You know when you go to the beach and you pick up sand? The feeling of when you spread your fingers apart and the sand seeps through the space between each joint? It felt like my life and identity was the sand, and I felt increasingly trapped by my work. The pandemic definitely didn't help at all, since my safe, happy place became my workplace as well. I live in a fairly small space and work from my desk in my bedroom. Besides barely getting dressed most days, I spent a lot of time in bed crying and obsessing over how stressed, tired, unhappy, and unfulfilled I felt. I flat out wept, I mean completely bawled, more times this year than any other time in my life, not counting grieving periods. After having this happen so many times, I knew it was time for a change. When did I know it got to be too much? Well, to get to that answer, we've got to backtrack a little bit. Before I got to the breaking point I had this year, I had a mini breakdown in the beginning of 2018. I was working later than all of my direct peers at the time, going home at crazy times some nights, exhausted, stressed, and feeling like I wasn't learning or advancing in my career. Because I knew it wasn't sustainable, I tried changing my outlook and spent time looking for another job. During this time, I relied on prayer and God, started listening to comedy and self-improvement podcasts, and began meditating daily. By the time my birthday came around in May of that year, I was feeling a lot better and had several new job prospects that made me confident enough to feel like I had a way out and I wasn't just stuck. Unfortunately, this feeling didn't last. And this year, I realized I was in a pattern that I'd keep repeating if I didn't get to the root of my issues. The impetus for me getting external help this year was realizing that I can barely function and focus at work because of my anxiety and feeling like I was having an existential crisis every day at work. I did really well excelled even before the pandemic. As I briefly mentioned before, in the midst of it all, I found myself losing all semblance of myself as the few things I had been doing routinely were ripped away from me due to the lockdowns. And five months ago, I couldn't really tell you what I was interested in anymore because I didn't know. I didn't know myself, and in addition to feeling overwhelmingly lost, I felt guilty because in this day and age, in the middle of a frickin' pandemic, I should have just been happy to have a job, a good job, at a company that was doing well, and my health, and that of my family and friends' health, but emptiness. I felt empty inside, confused and lost. I reasoned that it must be my job function, and that maybe it was time for a career shift into a field with more autonomy, and something I was just a lot more interested in. When I got my MBA, I studied with a concentration in management information systems, and was introduced to an interesting new world, well, new to me, of tech, and how business could be melded with tech in an array of different careers. It was absolutely amazing, and I found myself enjoying the tech-aligned courses so much more than my accounting and general business classes. Long story short, I thought if I could figure out what my next career move should be now, I'd feel better, and I could create an exit plan for my current career. I signed up for a three-month product management coaching program with an excellent coach I'll also link in the show notes and I loved every minute of it I was applying to other jobs looking for opportunities within my current company talked to endless amounts of product managers to get their perspectives I thought this was it I made a plan and I waited for my anxiety to wane but it never did I was still crying every Sunday night before I would returned to work the next Monday. My job, my life was stressing me out. I took a look in the mirror and finally realized that this was so much more than just not liking what I did for a living. This isn't sponsored by this company, although I've heard it sponsored on many other podcasts But when I decided it was time for me to get professional help, I turned to a service called BetterHelp. At the time I started, almost two months ago now, I was talking to my friend about therapy and she was telling me what a great experience she'd been having with BetterHelp and how she goes weekly. You can't see me, but I'm using my air quotes because everything is virtual now, so she's not really going anywhere. But you catch my drift. There's a service offered through my job, but I genuinely wanted professional mental help separate from anything else I'm connected to so that I can feel like I'm in a completely safe space. I'm not gonna lie, this method is pricey. They have an option you can choose if you're unable to afford their services But I didn't use it because, to be quite honest, I know I can afford it. That would just be me potentially ripping an opportunity away from somebody else that really needs it. Anyway, prior to starting therapy, I listed all of the issues I was able to identify on my own, and trust me, I identified quite a few. I explained that I didn't understand why work stressed me out so much, but that I wanted to get to the root of why. And while I do advocate for therapy, I also want to make sure that I advocate for you knowing why you're going to therapy. What is it that you want to get out of therapy and what is it that you want to get to in therapy? Honestly, in eight weeks, I'm still not sure why I placed all these rules and restrictions on my life. And why I thought and felt I needed to do so much in order to be successful. Logically, I know that I don't have to work 24-7 to, to achieve my idea of success. But darn it, I felt the need to try. I needed to be that constant hustler and have the financial freedom to take care of myself and my family. I still want that. But I'm learning to give myself more grace and not care so much about what other people think of me. Because to be honest, that's none of my business. (laughs) Each week my therapist gives me something to work on. In one case, this was as simple as not reading every single care label of every item of clothing that I own before creating piles and putting them in the wash. Yes, I really did that. At a basic level, I have fewer laundry piles and take less time to do my laundry. But at a high level, I'm relearning that rules don't have to be so rigid, that they, repl- that they place restrictions on my life. S- but at a high level, I'm relearning that rules don't have to be so rigid, that they place restrictions on my life. Some rules are just guidelines, and there's no need to create unnecessary stress trying to follow guides to the T. We're trying to outwork every single person around you because you think that they're working just as hard. I get the feeling the next thing my therapist and I will be working on is why I care so much about the opinions of others, but that'll be another story for another podcast. In all of this, the biggest realization I've made is that self-care is vital to self-preservation. Not taking care of myself causes me to be the worst version of myself for myself and others. And when I'm not myself, y'all, I'm a complete mess. In that case, if I'm not crying, I might be flipping out, short-tempered, or even emotionally void. To show up in this world the way I want and have the impact that I want, I need to be the best version of myself. When I'm the best live I can be, I'm clear on my goals and productive, but not pressured to get things done. And I do things well when I'm in that state, let me tell you. Plus, I actually want to do things. When you're in the throes of burnout, Just getting out of bed can be the hardest task of the day. Learning to take control of the things that I can control and eliminating unnecessary stressors was something I knew I had to do logically, but I just needed that extra push to know how and to feel that it was the right move for me. At the end of the day, I feel a lot lighter, even though I'm not healed by any means, I can attest that taking care of your mental health is just as important as your physical health and should be one of your top priorities. Going to therapy, getting back into journaling, meditation and prayer, and spending less time at work and more with loved ones has been paramount. I've started posting on my blog again after a month plus long hiatus and found some new passions. I don't feel hopeless or like I have no control of my life or who I am anymore. Being able to reflect on my life and priorities helped me gain clarity. And now, here we are. Started a podcast. If you can't afford therapy, I urge you to consider meditation, yoga, or just chilling the flip out and listening to music for a few uninterrupted minutes a day. Before I started my current job and was feeling this way, I did all of the above and they each helped. The hardest thing to do when you're burnt out is change your mindset, but know that even tiny shifts are better than nothing. If being alone with yourself and your thoughts is too much for you, and I get that, I definitely get that. Try finding a good show or podcast to follow. Self help ones with positive affirmations are good, but I found comical podcasts to be my jam. My favorite one actually just ended, for good, at least for now. If they hear me, please come back. Uh, if you wanted to listen to it, it's called "Sex with Strangers," a grown folks, a grown folks podcast. Highly recommend it. But just take care of yourself, sis. Nobody is going to care about you, your career, your family, your life as much as you. Go be selfish and take care of your most important asset. That's you. Peace.